Hello everyone and welcome to Man Up, the men's mental health podcast. My name is Andy Richardson and sitting over in the beautiful Baltic country of Estonia is the very handy Tommy Dankwa. How are you, sir? I'm very well, thank you very much. It's good to be back. And um, actually, I'm not just in the beautiful Baltic uh, state of Estonia. I'm I'm a bit like um, I'm sitting in a cupboard, a bit of Harry Potter style, because I've made I've got a makeshift studio that I've made here. So do I sound quite echoey today? You sound yeah, you sound very uh, echoey actually. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm here doing renovations and whatnot. So I've got an empty room. Um, obviously, my wife is um, nesting, shall we say? So everything needs to be pristine and ready for when the new baby arrives. So I'm decorating, and I'm in a completely empty bedroom that I've just finished painting and I'm I've got all my stuff my computer my uh, podcast equipment it's all like in a wardrobe not in a wardrobe in a cupboard space so I'm sitting down in a cupboard and uh talking to you from there so yes Harry Potter that? style can Very you Harry Potter can, can you shout out the word echo echo go go, go. <laughs> right I added that last bit on just to sort of give it a bit more effect obviously <laughs> it's funny yeah. isn't it when you when you test when you're testing out the echo somewhere, uh, more often than not, you shout out the word echo. So I don't know if that the word makes it more conducive for the echo, or is it just that that's the only word that comes into mind when you're testing for an echo? It's true. You can just shout anything you wanted, really, couldn't you? But echo just seems like the appropriate thing to scream <laughs> out. <laughs> or the phrase, is anybody there, is another yeah, one. Absolutely. Yeah. Or hello. Hello is a good one as well. Hello is a good one, yes. Anything that ends in Yeah. Anyway, uh, moving swiftly on from the complexities of testing for echoes. Um, yes, so this is our second one this year. This is our podcast straight after the epic Frank Bruno um, podcast. Um, how, how do you feel after doing that one? Um, yeah, do you know what? It's really bizarre you asked me because obviously it was – that was – my bucket list, wasn't it? That was kind of on my list of people that I wanted to speak to was Big Frank. And we've mm. done it. We've done it. So I felt amazing. Then then I felt this massive pressure, like, oh my God, now we need to follow up with you know something equally grand. And, you know, and then I, I had a bit of a come down, like, oh mate, I've achieved everything I want to achieve in the podcast world. What do I do now? Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, I've flirted with retirement and, um, you know, getting fat and eating deep fried Mars bars, a bit Elvis Presley-esque, letting myself go. Yeah. But alas, I realize we still have unfinished business because there are people we've still got to talk to. So here we are back again. There's a lot of mental people out there. There's a lot yeah. of mental men out there that we need to speak to. Um, so Absolutely. we need... We, we need to carry on. We, this is now season three. Um, Can you believe it? That's massive, isn't it? Three seasons of the Man Up Men's Mental Health podcast. Yeah. I mean, the main reason we called it season three is, is because we had a long break. <laughs> so we pretended. Don't listen. You... <laughs> Talk about destroying the myth, the mystery. You know what I mean? Oh, uh, Sorry. Right. Well, after after killing the um, you know, the vibe. How how are you, mate? 
yeah, I'm a, a lot better than what I was um, earlier this year. Um, a lot better. Um, nice. How's your health? Uh, physical health, actually. Yeah, yeah. The physical health is is getting a lot better. Um, it's funny um, because I, uh, yeah, as you know, I had the double hernia operation. Then I had really bad uh, side effects, sort of IBS. Um, and I went to see a specialist. Uh, I had to pay quite a lot of money to see him. Um and um, yeah, he gave me a, a couple of ideas um, doing this sort of test for this thing called, called a SIBO, a bacterial overgrowth, which I've done. Um, I haven't got the results back from that. But also um, he said to me, um, if you go on a very low dose of um, SSR and an SSRI, uh, which as a lot of our listeners will know, mm-hmm. is um, uh, an antidepressant, uh, serotonin, reputake. Um, inhibitor reuptake inhibitor should i say um that can really um make your ibs symptoms a lot better there's a strong as we've discussed before there is a strong link between the gut and the mind yeah um and by taking this sort of dose this very you know serotonin is made in the gut and basically by uh yeah by taking um these these ssris the eye the the gut relaxes the brain relaxes and there you know because there is a real physical you know when you when you're stressed you know your gut clenches and and yeah. Uh, um yeah and and to be honest uh i'm only on sort of i mean it takes a while for these things to work um and i'm only on a really low dose i mean the lowest dose you can have is 10 milligrams and i'm not even taking a whole pill i'm doing about six or seven milligrams but it um already i've I've sort of noticed a difference um oh, wow. and i'm not really thinking about my my gut too much at all at the moment um i'm also trying i mean i don't know if it's coincidental but i'm trying um there's a book which um i can really recommend called the glucose revolution by i can't even say her name jesse in chops i can't i i n c h a u S-P-E. Anyway, uh, we can talk about that another time, but um, that book, um, by implementing the stuff in that book, has it, uh, made a big difference to my my gut as well. Um, it's uh, it, Yeah, it's a really good book. It's just come out. Um, it's cutting-edge stuff. So, um, okay. well, yeah. I look forward to you doing a review on this, as um, you have done so frequently in the past. I look For forward sure. to that. Also, yeah, just sure. quickly, two questions that uh, spring to mind. First of all, um, serotonin is made in the gut, so that means that explains why I'm always happy when I'm eating. Yeah. And uh, secondly, how do you feel about? Because um, obviously, you're a real advocate of sort of holistic practices, and mm. you know, you 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 um. Well, I think we've both decided that we try to do things holistically rather than go back on the medicine thing. Now, you, yeah. How do you how have you felt about going back and you know? That's a very, that's a very good question. Um, and I've toyed with it. It, it wasn't an easy decision, but yeah. um, the reason I'm taking the pills is for a different reason than when I took them before. When I took them before, I was in the middle of really really bad anxiety and panic attacks. Yeah, and it actually made me worse when I started taking them. Now now I'm taking them and I'm not in the middle of anxiety and panic attacks. Um, I'm taking them for, for for IBS, you know. So um, I'm quite happy to do that. And 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 you know, it, it, like I say, it's a it's a really low dose. So it's not. I feel like at any point I could probably sort of 
phase them out and not rely on them. Well, whereas before I sort of took the pills to sort of live really, you know, yeah, to, get, to, to get, to get through. So, um, you know, and, and I am a massive advocate of doing things holistically. Um, but I'm also, um, an advocate of people doing what works best for them. And if it means you can get through the day and get on with life, then take what you can but you know i do think we rely too much on the pharmaceutical industry definitely joe i'm glad to hear that it's going well and that you're feeling good about it that's nice mm. that nice well done mate yeah so thank you very much well, well well after you know you you said to me a little bit earlier um you're worried about us um do, doing one better than frank bruno um with our guests um so this week we have got prince harry um finally (laughs) (laughs) i thought he'd never come on the show he's waiting there we have to make him wait (laughs) no 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 this this week we've got a a really fascinating guest um his name is david parkin and he's a He's a sort of multimedia artist. He's a writer, musician, a podcaster, um, and his work is influenced by his mental health. Uh, he's got an exhibition um, at the Bethlehem Museum of the Mind uh, in in Beckenham from the 22nd of April to the 22nd of uh, July, which, again, is a sort of multimedia um piece about his mental health um he's here to tell us about that and his life living with uh bipolar and um other stuff so david welcome to the show hello hello can i just say fuck frank bruno fuck prince harry or whatever i'm i'm far better quality <laughs> i just want to i just want to start yes with mate that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, we no, were going to no, say that no, ourselves, no. but you know, I mean, I'm glad you, you said know, it yourselves. <laughs> I can't. I can't. You know, Frank yeah. Bruno's for that laugh. I'm not. I'm not making it. I just wanted. I was just being. Uh, you know, uh, bullshit. <laughs> Walking in here with some Conor McGregor swag. We love it. <laughs> anyway, moving swiftly on. <laughs> so, so. Right, so let's get let's let's get right into it. Um, I'll I tell you what, let's do this around the sort of opposite way I would normally. Can you tell us a little bit about your show that's coming up? Okay, so uh, David Parkin's Delusions of Grandeur. Uh, basically, in two thousand fifteen, um, I discovered I was bipolar by having a massive manic episode, and. Um, yeah, and I ended up getting sectioned for four months. Four fucking months. Um, and, mm. yeah, I came out of that. And it's strange how it came about. Basically, uh, um, basically this guy was doing this festival, Gerd Up Zian, um, over I don't know if I pronounced that right. And he said, we've got this space in the gallery. Do you want to use it? Uh, he was doing a thing about mental health. And um, I was so, a lot of my stuff is theatre. Um, I've got a burp coming on. Hang on. No, okay. Hang <laughs> on. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so I was. I was Go on, just, get it out. Go on. No, 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 it's gone. It's gone. The moment's gone. Right, okay. I was just recovering from. 
being released from section and I had big stage fright. So I thought I I used to be in an arts organization um, many years ago and we did installations. So I thought I'd do an installation. So basically, okay, the blurb is it, it kind of describes my uh, stay at the NHS's pleasure um, from a cacophony of mediums. So, I mean, the main thing, which is in the podcast, which is called, I'm, I'm going to plug away, which is called Delusions of Journey through Sectioning, uh, is running around, running around all the exhibition. There are kind of uh, text boards, which are just moments on the ward from getting sectioned to pretty immediately falling madly, obsessively in love with a fellow inmate to then to to getting punched by by some by a fellow inmate, this old guy, and escaping and going to the champ going to a champagne bar and and then it deals with my fall and um yeah. Yeah, so there's lots of stuff in there. So there's the text boards. You can I recorded I basically because I was on this bipolar high, I sort of wrote mm. lots of songs using uh guitar, uh which isn't my main instrument, but I kind of picked it up so you can listen to those songs I recorded. And but the thing is, um when I recorded them, I was drugged off my face. So I'm kind of I don't deliver them very well. You can hear people screaming in the background. Oh God, I'm going straight. Okay, straight through it. Um, and when I was in there, I was put in seclusion, uh, which I quickly decided was inhumane. And at the time when I was in there, I kept this mad little doggy notebook where I wrote all my plans and like I was convinced I could revolutionize the NHS. Uh, so anyway, in it, I drew up my alternative seclusion. Mirrors on the wall, uh, you know, um, nice nice music coming in or or um, um, nature sounds and book, like nice books, kids' books and stuff. And Play-Doh, I figured at the time, you can't top yourself with Play-Doh. So we actually build my alternative seclusion. And there's a bit where you can sit and listen to interviews with my friends and family, which give you another kind of view on 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 the experience. Because obviously, being there for someone who's who's a sectioned, be off their fucking trolley, you know. Because I was, I was for some of it anyway. Anyway, so and then when I crashed, um, I ended up writing just to keep me going, just to find a way through. I ended up writing mm. kind of stream of consciousness in this big black book. And then you mm. can go into this corner and I'm nearly finished. Now, I think that's it. That's no, it. that's all right. You can listen to this. No, 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 there was there was a. Go on, go on. No, that's fine. No, sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt. There was a fair, there was a fairly long pause. Um, okay. I was, it, I was just, I was actually just, <laughs> I was going to ask you. Uh, uh, it's you know, four months does seem a long time to be sectioned, but then again, there's people that are never out, and there's people that are yeah. in there for years. Um, is that a sort of 
long time or is that an average time to be sectioned? You no know? idea. Um, from uh, mm. I don't know. Uh, as I said, when Ooh. I in there, there were a bit, I actually when I was in there, I was one of the like longest stayers. You know, people generally kind of go mm. in, but there was there was guys there who were who'd been there longer than me. So um, yeah, but it was quite a healthy, long, not healthy. It was it was quite a a long stay. Yes. Yeah. Do you know what I? It, there's a movie in this, isn't there? I mean, just like you know, if you, I, I'm actually looking at your Spotify, the uh, podcast you've uploaded now, and where it says the about it, you know, 2015, and you've got you know everything you just mentioned there. Falling in love, being sectioned, falling in love, escaping to a champagne bar. You have to tell us that. We're going to come back to that. Uh, being punched in the face and seclusion. This is like, I mean, that's Hollywood all over it. I know I don't want to glamorize what you've been through. I'm not making a joke of it, but. No, no, no. Glamorize so away. You went in there. Yeah. No, but so you went inside. Um, you know, you, you were kept waiting in the waiting room for four hours. Is that That's mm. correct, right? What was going through your head at that point? Once again, no idea really. It's um, I was properly mad there. I didn't know, I didn't quite understand what was going on because at the time, <clears throat> and you know, this happens when they section you and they say, uh, "We think you're suffering from a bipolar manic episode." You're like, what? What? Yeah. I'm fine, yeah. mate. I'm having the time of my life. I'm the most productive I've ever been. I've written this children's book, which is an agnostic parable, which is going to change the world. I'm fucking fine, mate. It's you lot who've got it wrong. You know, so mm. um, I think when I waited for those four hours, I was confused. I was all over the place. I remember having a very deep conversation with a with an old lady um but yeah i did did, did, like you say what was going through your mind in a sense that Mm. it's it's quite hard to um so it's like a, a sane person uh if they're if they're if they're put in a room for four hours and they're waiting for an interview to see whether they're going to be sectioned might go Jesus, what's happened to my life? What's going on? Maybe, maybe I've got a problem, but that's that's not the case for me, at least with my bipolar manic episode. I was I was all over the place. I was probably uh, I think I had to wait with other people, but I was talking to them and solving their problems because I knew how they could sort their lives out. So uh, yeah, I. It's it's hazy, but that's the general vibe. Yeah, because you in the I mean, forgive me because I've only managed to listen to the first a few a bit of the first episode. But when you mentioned like you sort of describe when you were waiting and then people come in and I think you say the people come in and they talk in really hushed sort of voices and stuff like that. I mean, so it's like you recall it quite quite vividly, don't you? You're able to recall it all even though you were in a state of mania at the time? Yeah. I mean, 
Um, so yeah, I realized I needed to write these text boards and, um, what I did, partly what I did, it doesn't, it's not to do with the sectioning actually, but what I did was you can buy your doctor's notes or your nurse's notes, you know, um, which is like quite it's quite a stack you can buy for 20 quid and they basically the nurses very arbitrary price isn't it but yeah, yeah. but it's well worth it I'd, I'd i'd get i'd you know recommend it to anyone out there if you if you do get in hospital for a bipolar manic episode get, get your papers because they really throw a new light in it it's 20 quid so, well spent yeah, it was. And they they note down everything you do. You know, whether that be going to the toilet or putting a pair of underpants on your head and shoving two pencils up your nose to 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 prove a point. Um yeah, and they're often quite what's the word? They're quite droll. You know, so uh, mm. David walked pa- around with a pair of underpants in his head. I informed him that this wasn't appropriate behaviour for the situation. And we discussed whether he should take the underpants off his head. And then it's like, <laughs> two hours later, he went to sleep and slept well through the night, waking at 1am or whatever. Obviously, I didn't sleep well through the night if I woke up at 1am, but waking up at 7am. Yeah, so they were really interesting to read. I'd recommend anyone out there, if you do get sectioned, pay for your doctor's notes because they they really they're they're enlightening and they're full they make of good reading. That's gonna be a key take home from this, isn't it? This will be a key take home. <laughs> get your papers, pay for them. I, full I, I sort of, of imagine sorry, go on. Well, I sort of imagine putting your underpants on your head and putting pencils up your nose. That's like the cliche sort of uh, mental patient thing to do, isn't it? Like, well, you know, exactly. if I was to think, <laughs> I was, I was being okay. So we had this ward meeting, and in a ward meeting, you go to a ward meeting, and they assess whether you're well enough to be uh, released or what, what how you need to be treated. Now, there's Blackadder, obviously. I don't know if you remember in Blackadder Goes Forth, um, uh, what's his name? Rowan Atkinson, uh, the Blackadder, puts, he's trying to get out of the army Mm, by proving to be mad. So he puts a pair of underpants on his head and sticks two pencils up his nose. Oh, of course, so I went to this board meeting, and this is it. Oh, I don't know how to explain this. This is it. There, you know, you are you, and you are, but you're just more so. So I, I went in there and I thought, I'm going to put two pair of un- a pair of underpants on my head, stick two pencils on my nose, and that'll show them <laughs> that I'm being satirical. And a bit odd, and I'm not mad, you know. Although I was, obviously. <laughs> oh my god, that's. I mean, that's, that's just a regular day in my house with like mm-hmm. a six-year-old, you know. But 
What um so tell us about um okay, so when when did you first aware when when were you first aware that you had bipolar or when when did someone tell you you had bipolar or even when did you first notice something wasn't quite right well when i first finally admitted to myself that i had bipolar was after i'd been sectioned for three months or whatever because as i said you're fine i'm fine mate I'm having a time of my life, you know, I'm creating, I'm doing really well. It's a very common thing that uh, people on a bipolar manic high won't accept that that is the case. Um, Mm. So when I realized I had bipolar was when I crashed um, and, you know, my mood severely dipped and suddenly you're kind of in the real world and you're going, hmm, yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, it all adds up. I, I've i got mm-hmm. bipolar. Um, yeah, so that was when, really. But that was, but that was 2015. I mean, you've got, you had a sort of, um, I, I, actually, I don't know how old you are. Um, I'm 45. But, um, but you, may I add? Right, so you. I'm a young so you, forty-five. I I look good for my age. Sorry, carry on. That's all right. I'm older than you, so you don't okay. have to. You know, you don't have to <laughs> apologise for your age or anything. <laughs> um, the um, so so you've had a sort of you know quite a life before that. Now you mentioned the brain injury. Do you think is that something that you think think contributed to you you know developing bipolar? And tell us about that's the injury a, that's as well. A really interesting question. Um, I don't know at what. Okay, so how I got my bra- my brain injury is a whole. I mean, this is it, right? I've if I go back over my life and talk about moments that I've had mental health crises, and I've always made art about it. Um. I sound like I've had this mad life. But actually, the the kind of reality of it for me is generally I'm I'm kind of okay. I'm kind of okay with the odd hiccup every now and again. But then every like four or five years, I go fucking nuts, you know, one way or the other. But yes, so... um. In 2010, I had a huge depression, um, and uh, I I got uh, put up. I don't know how much to say. Anyway, I had a huge depression, and I ended up jumping off a fucking roof. I'm sorry, there's no way you can say mm. jumping off a roof without putting fucking in the middle. Um, mm. and, but here's the thing. This is why my, my life is so odd. And, um, so here's the thing. I broke many bones, 11 ribs and a collarbone and my left foot. And, and I was in an induced coma. Um, but when I came round, 
after jumping off a fucking roof, um, I was, because of the brain injury, okay, so I had like a five-minute memory. Uh, I was disinhibited. Um, But when I came round, I was also suffering. Now, I want to do those little quote marks with my fingers. Are you imagining that? Suffering from euphoria. So. Wow. Yeah. Everything was a hoot every like you know as i said the disinhibition my auntie (laughs) my auntie came to visit me and i told her that she looked like my dad in drag (laughs) you know (laughs) so hang on i'm trying to i'm trying to picture this you're in hospital broken leg ribs collarbone and you're having the best time of your life. You've come yeah. out on the other side of your illness. Yeah. And there was is a that how you that... got your is that how you got your brain injury? Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, again. by um, jumping off a fucking roof, just to clarify. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so really yes, then like you're, it's it's lucky you're still alive. Like, let's be, you know, that's because not, you know, not many people survive jumping off a roof, do they? Well, how I jumped was, I don't know, it was 30 foot and it was 50-50. So, yeah, I'm very lucky to be alive. Well, um, glad you're here to tell the tale, mate. Yeah. That's for sure. But, yeah, I... I I came so, around and I was suffering from euphoria and this lasted two or three months and it eased. I mean, uh, when I came around, the giggle attacks, oh my God. <laughs> There's like, the the joy of a giggle attack is just, you know, it, it's a bit like, as I said, being on a bipolar high. Um but it kind of lasted and actually recovering from that brain injury ended up being one of the most kind of amazing, rewarding times of my life. And yeah, I sometimes, I, I don't know, I, um, being an artist, it's weird when life gives you such good isn't that weird though? You jump off a fucking roof because you don't want to live anymore. You come round and you're happy. Um, I don't know. I feel sometimes I feel like, yeah, I, uh, I'm an agnostic, but I feel like there's maybe there's someone going, you know, oh, you just jumped off a roof. Let's give him a dollop of euphoria. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I've stopped gibbering. But I carry yeah. on. I mean, Andy. Andy always says that you know his sort of um, anxiety is the best thing that ever happened to him. Mm. And um, actually, when I sort of like scratch beneath the surface and I talk about it some more, I think when the, you know the biggest sort of turning point in my life was acknowledging that I had a problem, that I wasn't well, and actually talking about it. So I kind of agree with him. So maybe I think I, I mean, I hope I understand what you're saying that 
you know, your illness, you've hit the lows, but actually you were given almost like a, there you go, here's a little sprinkle of awesomeness. You wake up feeling great and uh, you can carry on. Is, is that what you're saying or am I sort of missing the point? Completely? No, no, I think you're completely right. As a, um, yeah, I mean, I have to say, I do do stuff that isn't about mental health. I've, I've done a good kid's book and musical for those that nobody picked. Um, but sorry, what's it called? The nose that nobody picked. <laughs> yeah, see, it's a, you can find it on Amazon. It's it's out of print, or I don't know if it's out of print, but there's copies out there. It's a good little book, actually. It's a great little book. But um, the thing I I was, uh, yeah, the thing about. Uh, either going down or going up. For me, uh, it's always been a profound experience because Mm. where, you know, um, if you're at the bottom and you can't see any reason for living and you hate yourself, then yet you pull yourself out of that and it's, well, and then... I guess a lot of weird things have happened to my brain. And so you realize the subjectivity of life. And, but also, you know, building yourself up from a big depression and piecing yourself back together. Uh, it's, it's, it's a profound thing. And like, for example, it, for me, it makes you more, it's made me more, oh, I can't say the word, empathetic. Is that the right word? Mm. Yeah. Mm. You know, and That's so it. you can't judge people. You can't, and especially people who have mental health problems. If you've been there, it, it um, yeah, you can understand it more. So, yeah. and it, you you know, may, you, go, go on, sorry. No, no, sorry. Well, because I'm just got leading on from that. You do, you do mention, um, you know, being a sort of being in your sort of twenties uh, um, in the nineties. Um, you were it was quite a, a lad culture, and you were quite a lad, um, um, quite a sort of macho one. And 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 by getting through your mental health ep- episodes, that's made you more of a. Um, a sort of nicer, more um, empathetic person. Um, can you see that sort of uh, transition from the nineties to now? You know, and and you know, well, yeah, do you think I mean, things have changed? I mean, I think things have changed. I mean, this is now we're talking about art, I guess. But you know, it it really feels like. It's it's the ladies' time. No, I no, I'm not going to say that. It's the ladies' time. Give them a go. You know, no, it really feels. <laughs> Come on, girls, get give, give it a, no. Before, don't hate me on Twitter. Right, it really feels <laughs> like it's the woman's time to speak. It's women's time mm-hmm. to speak uh, because we've had it going for so long. You know. And um, do I feel that? Do I feel that 
do I feel a bit frustrated as an artist? Yeah, because in the nineties, everyone everybody wanted to know what a ginger bloke thought about this and that. Um, I, yeah, I don't. I'm kind of coming round to the point that in the art world, especially and generally, it seems like it's after enough time, long enough, women are being given a voice and i can't I, I don't know how to say this in a really cool pc way it just feels like it's it's their time and and good you know yeah no i no i i no no i yeah i agree but you're but you're um how do you think, though? Um, okay, so 2010, you jumped off um, the building. So already, you're saying to me um, in 2015, you were told you had bipolar. What did they say? What did they say to you in 2010 that you you had depression, not and not bipolar, yeah, or you knew you had I was, depression? I mean, I'm just I was tw- depressed. I mean, just to clarify, the kind of bipolar I am. Everyone has this kind of idea of what bipolar is, which is mainly the idea of a tricyclical bipolar, which is the bipolar we see in TV and movies and everything, which is which we saw in Ozark series three with uh, the ladies. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. I saw that. It, yeah, my wife watched it and I watched it. That was man. There's a scene. I've only got to series two. Oh, come on, Jesus. It's, it's really good. Yeah, Andy, you need to get up on it, man. Me and my wife watched it. But so sorry, I didn't mean to cut you then. Yeah, That's but all yeah, right. I, that, I think he portrayed that character really well, didn't he? There's a scene in it where he's in a Don't taxi. give it away. I haven't watched it. No, no, I haven't no, watched it's not, it. It's not, he doesn't get shot or anything. I'm not giving it away. Okay. It's a, it's a really nice little scene. He's in a taxi and he's just talking at this taxi driver and this is a bipolar manic episode and in it he goes from laughing to crying to talking about immensely profound things that aren't really that profound i i don't know what episode it is but it's it's great but anyway my point being he's in the series he's a tricyclical bipolar now i might not be way up on my definitions but what we understand as a a bipolar what the common sort of perception is is someone who uh at the start of the month is all blazing they're they're making cakes for all their friends or whatever or, or writing great poetry then two weeks in they have a crash and they're listening to morrissey and and then the next week they're they're up and oops sorry uh that's not the case with me um in how i exist in i think it's bipolar 2 which is you're kind of fine and then you have either a big up or down very sporadically so yeah but there's all sorts there's all sorts so i'm yeah I'm not a tricycle. 
Wapala. I've got a question. Um, in when you sent us over some uh, text, and you mentioned about the differences, you're on two different wards. One was a mixed ward, and one on as, as a male ward. And you said the treatment that you received in the male ward is completely different. Now, you mentioned possibly because it being men being, I guess, physically more uh, demanding. I guess. Um, how can you explain it a little bit to us, like how it was for you? Well, the women's ward or the mixed ward, which was, uh, it was just homelier and nicer and they bent the rules more easily. And mm. yeah, and it was, it was nice. And then you go on a male, and then you go on an all male ward and it's the rules are there. And they're probably there, as I said, with a reason because um it's a it is a physical thing uh and yeah and the male world was harder colder and a lot there was a lot more bravado in the ward whereas if you're in a mixed ward um it's a it's more that bravado doesn't happen so readily and obviously, I guess. Mm -hmm. See, this is the thing. So obviously we're a men's mental health podcast. And it's, so yeah. for me, it was quite interesting. Although I wasn't, um, I don't think I was surprised to hear you say this, but the fact that, you know, the difference between how men are treated when they're in care, uh, you know, in as opposed to the women, you know, it's like, it sounds, well, I wouldn't say night and day, but it sounds very different. And like, you know, mm. we are still, I guess, being treated well without, we're not equal, are we? Everyone I know who's been sectioned has been either punched or threatened. Um, so that says something, doesn't it? I do have to say, just to clarify, right, the guy who punched me, Okay, so he was this old guy called Barry, and he and he had learning disabilities, and he just used to walk up and down the ward, on this endless procession, procession, um, eating jellied sweets, and and I was bipolar all over the place, and it really kind of got to me, and um, I wanted to get him out in the garden. I would I would free his mind. I would get him out in the garden and he'd be happy or whatever. So I was constantly pestering him. And he never showed any sort of um he never he, he never kind of spiked up or whatever. Uh but there's this one time there was this mind guy who visit occasionally talk about his care plan. And I, 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 I went up and said, um, I think, I think Barry should be given an escorted walk. And he suddenly snapped. And, um, and right, he's an old guy. He's got learning disabilities, but he delivered three punches that were, that were, you know, 
Frank Bruno, we'd been talking about him earlier. It was he he could obviously fight. So um that maybe I don't know what I'm saying, but um that was a really weird experience. So, so you think that you you sort of um you had a part in it, you 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 sort of upset upset yeah. his equilibrium. Yeah. I'd been annoying him for weeks and he'd never acknowledged it. He'd never kind of gone, don't you go away, fuck off or whatever until he exploded. Mm. Um, So, yeah. What what I really want to know is um, how you are now and, and, and and what you sort of learned from that for those four months and, and, and your sort of, and how you deal with it and, and, and how, you're sort of avoiding going back in there again? Um, well, I think getting sectioned in itself when you get released and it's a sobering thing. You know, you think to yourself, I never want to go back there. And um, I mean... In a lot of ways, though, it was it was good because you are seen when you're sectioned, you are seen by specialists. That's what they do, mm-hmm. you know, and you're not seen by some overworked GP who has to deal with ingrown toenails as well. And you are given... Uh, like, I mean, uh, you were talking earlier about uh, not being on medication, but just for, you know, the idea of balance, I'm all for medication. Medication works for me. Mm. Um, Mm. And you are put on medication that is right for you. You know, because Mm. I was on, I was on, uh, antidepressants and that's not what you should be on if you're bipolar you should be on either an antipsychotic or a mood stabilizer um there was right yeah do you know what yeah. sorry to interrupt david i'm really sorry but i, I just want to point out you've made a really interesting point here because you said you're all for medication and you're sort of saying that if you're, you know, you've got these episodes, you need to be on this, you need to be on this. Because like we spoke, when we spoke to friend Bruno, he's quite adamant that he shouldn't be on the medication. He's really fighting against it. So it's quite nice to hear that you you actually are accepting it and you know, and you're saying that it's helping you. That's a really, really good thing. So I like that we get different point, you know, different sides of the coin. Yeah, and, and also... I, I, I never I, I never said that medication is bad you know no, no. I, I, I I would I would never I would never say that and I think Frank is even though he has fought, fought against medication he's still on it he's still yeah, he's still he on that he does, he? he's, he's not happy about it he doesn't like it it makes him feel really like it doesn't feel well in himself yeah yeah I guess with me um as I say, I'm generally fine, but I am prone more more than going high, more than the bipolar manic, manic episode. I am prone 
two very heavy depressions that happen every five years or so or whatever. And when they hit, I mean, hopefully this isn't the case anymore. But when they have hit in the past, it's been very quick. It's been very sudden. And all of a sudden, I'm at this. I'm I'm at a place where I'm a danger to myself, where I'm suicidal. Um, mm. And, you know, uh, when it could possibly end your life. And so I'm of mind these days that, you know, I'd rather I'd rather not die of suicide if 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 it's all possible. <laughs> um so uh the medication works for me. Um mm. yeah, it helps. I've always had a big problem with sleep and I think quetiapine, one of the greatest antipsychotics out there. If you do you think that if I said that again, do you think quetiapin might send me send me some free quetiapin or maybe a frisbee? It's always worth a punt. It's <laughs> always worth a punt. Go on, say it one more time, then I want to ask quetiapin. another question. Sorry, I don't know. I keep on asking you questions, but I've got one more question. Yeah. Um. So, <laughs> oh, uh, before before we um, were on air, you mentioned you were listening to a past podcast of ours with um Ryan Ridgeway. Uh, mm. Obviously, he um, he uh, lives with bipolar. Also, um, he has a system in place where he's got people around him who he trusts. So when he exhibits certain behaviours that show that he's leaning one way or the other, you know, he's got a sort of system in place where he knows what to do. He can reach out to somebody, he talks to them, and then they sort of have a plan of action to get him into a safe space or, you know, somewhere he sees the right people. Do you have anything like that in your life? And if, or would you recommend that to anyone who might be suffering with bipolar? Well, as I said, like talking about it, um, he sounds more uh, tricyclical than me, but I mean, I have, I have a, uh, I have, a great support network. My, uh, I mean, my mum and dad. See, what was weird for them was when I did start. What was really weird for everyone involved when I did have my first and my only so far bipolar manic episode in two thousand fifteen. People didn't know what was going on. Like Dave's acting weird. You know, because I wasn't, I wasn't labelled. I hadn't had a diagnosis of bipolar, and suddenly, well, maybe he's just being really positive about his his work ethic and things. So, um, but now I'm sure I have, I have my family, I have friends who would, who would. Um, who would firmly probably step in if I if I went up again because it's so obvious now looking back. That's good mm. to hear. That is good to hear. So 
tell us um, your, uh, as well as, um, so bringing you right up to date, um, got your exhibition. Um, tell us about uh, how that came about. And, and it's quite, this sounds very interesting, this Museum of the Mind uh, in Beckenham. I've, I'd never heard of it before, but I don't live too far away from there. So I'm definitely going to come down. Um, I'll, I'll come down and say hello. The opening, 22nd of April, next Friday, I think it's 6 o'clock, you know, you're welcome to come along. Um, but one thing I... I, th- I, 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 no, I, I, I um, the 22nd of April, it. I'm filming... I'm filming at the Copper Box Arena, a basketball game. <laughs> I'm well, working. Can you guys arrange your day after the podcast? If you go to Bethlehem Museum of the Mind, there are other yeah. events happening, talks I'm having yeah. with various people, one including my mum and a friend about the, the support networks. So come along to one of them. Say hello. And uh, yeah, um, yeah, that's when I'll be there. And so, what does it involve? So you you just um, so the talks are you interviewing people um, about their lives, or or is it a sort of? I mean, well, obviously, we're kind of we're reflecting on the issues raised by the by by the installation. So I'm talking to. For, I'm talking to a friend of mine who's also a great poet, but also a psychiatric nurse called Rob G. Um, and we'll be talking about, you know, what it's like being a psychiatric nurse and what it's like having relationships with people. And, you know, we'll be talking about seclusion. He's got very different views to me. Um, and we'll, talk, we'll be talking to my friend Pete and my mum about being in the um, um, support network for someone and how weird it is to support someone going through a bipolar, bipolar manic episode in in hospital. So, um, yeah, and I'll be talking to um, the director of Bethlehem Museum of the Mind, Colin. Oh, my God, I've forgotten his surname. Oh, I can't. Colin Gale. Oh, thank God. Colin Gale. Well recovered. And... Well recovered. <laughs> we'll be talking about mental health art. And then there's another guy, Philip Ross, who runs uh, Design and Mental Health. And we'll be talking about different spaces and, you know, the actual spaces of sectioning. Because when I was there, when I was there, they were horrible. Um, so yeah, we'll be talking to various different people about things raised in the exhibition. Very cool, very cool. But just can I check? You at the Bethlehem Museum? Is that associated at all with the Bethlehem Royal Hospital? Yes. I, well, okay. it is. I'm not. I'm not. Yes, I think. Now I'm not the most knowledgeable person. Um, but I, it's basically in the grounds, and Bethlehem okay. is the old Bedlam. 
Now maybe they've re re um they've gone somewhere else, but that was sent Bethlehem is Bedlam. Uh, and so Bethlehem okay. Museum of the Mind uh has got this rich history of displaying mental health art. And yeah. Ah, very interesting. It's bloody interesting, yeah. I mean I've just I've just looked I've just sort of looked it up and yeah, fifteen forty seven it was opened. Wow. Do you know what it's not as interesting as? It's not as interesting as what I've just looked up, which is the nose that nobody picked. The unlikely mm-hmm. ta- the unlikely trail of a little big nose. So that your book was out in 2016, wasn't it? Author David Parkin, check you out. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a. I mean, I have um, uh, I got very close to being published, but then I didn't, and I self-published, and then I made a musical of the same thing. Um, yeah, it's about uh, Christopher Post- Christopher Postlethwaite, a keen but unorthodox not gardener who one day discovers a disembodied talking nose in his garden. In their hunt for a face, he and Little Big Nose encounter Dr. Skinner, an eccentric plastic surgeon who has connections with the nose's past and sinister intentions for his future. Okay, I'm going to go on a limb. Did you, did you um, compose most of this while you were in um, hospital? <laughs> no, no. I, that, I wrote I, I'm, it. I'm, I'm... <laughs> I wrote it when I was a young man, actually. Oh, man. I was going to say, I thought you were going to say, you know what, when you was, you know, when you were doing your writing, you was like, right, this is it. This is where you got the idea from. That. Hey, so you've always had an amazing mind, haven't you? You've always been that creative guy with these amazing ideas. Yeah, I've got a massive penis as well. Just to that, clarify. Just to clarify. Good work. Good work. I've what, got you, an do, amazing do, 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 mind. Is it someone else's? Do, do you keep it in a jar? <laughs> I've got an amazing mind and I'm hung like a mule. Sorry, oh. sorry. This is like, this is the man up possible podcast i'm trying to be all blokey uh, no it's in fairness <laughs> it's just average it's just you know <laughs> but the point right. is we don't we don't have to be blokey on this podcast no. exactly no exactly so so what's next obviously you've got lots going on with your shows and whatnot but um what, what else is in the pipeline or where can we find you if people are looking, you know, interested and want to learn more about David Parkin. Well, there's my website, which is davidparkin.org. Um, I do suggest checking out the my podcasts of the, I mean, this is the way podcasts work, isn't it? You listen to something, you go, oh, okay, I'll check that out. But check out the mm. uh, it's Delusions, A Journey Through Sectioning. Uh, which should be on my on my on my page but also in spotify um i don't know what's gonna happen next there's some guy tom cleaver friend of mine who wants to make well i've i kind of want to write a book about sectioning 
which I've kind mm. of sort of written half of in the last lockdown called Duty of Care. So maybe that's it. There's a guy, Tom Cleaver, who's a, who's a, who makes these incredible, he's a puppeteer and he makes these huge things and he's interested in making a show about with puppets a show with puppets about sectioning so no yeah so these are just things that could be happening hmm amazing Um, just just very very briefly because we're 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 sort of coming to the end of our sort of uh i mean we don't have an allotted time but anything over an hour people tend to uh you know get bored or 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 i mean i suppose as being a podcast you can listen to this in chunks but anyway we do try and keep to the hour um just very briefly what do you think should be done um to improve the sectioning process good question well i mean i can only talk about 2050 um but like uh, there was this young uh, doctor, and uh, she was she was great. And um, basically, she was a trainee doctor, and she was checking out the psych wards. And I said, "Well, what what would you do to Bosworth? Naming it in the Glenford Hospital, what would you do to Bosworth?" And she said, "I tear it down." Um. I think, I mean, the thing about it is also um, Bradgate in the Glenford Hospital, it's kind of hidden. It's kind of hidden around the back of the hospital. And it's so, when you go in, it's, it's, it's like being in prison. It's very institutional. I, I don't really know. All I can say, like, my hometown, East Grinstead, many, many years ago, they um, they had, like, a, a mental health unit or whatever you used to call it back then, an asylum. But uh, the people in the asylum were free to go out and enter society, and some of them had jobs and... I mean, I'm not, I'm not a historian, but this kind of idea of maybe approaching it, I don't know, in a more societal way that we don't just lock people up. Um, and also I'd get rid of seclusion because I think seclusion mm. is obscene. And, mm. oh, no, I haven't finished. I've got other things. Um, I'd also, now this happened after I left, but right. Okay. So the NHS applied a smoking ban to all their hospitals, which means you had to go outside out the front and applying a smoking ban to an, to a, a mental health unit to me is is madness okay so uh what happens if you go into a unit there's often 
a little garden. So when I was in there, okay, so I I was I was particularly bonkers. So I wasn't allowed out of the ward. I wasn't allowed out on walks for two weeks, and so mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I ended up smoking in the garden. But now the new rules are you can't smoke in the garden and it's it's well like i'm not a promoter of smoking but it's well shown you know that people with mental health problems are more likely to smoke and for me it doesn't make any sense to whilst you're having the worst worst week of your life to put you in a mental health unit and say uh, you know, okay, okay, all right, all right, Mr. Parking, go over there, just calm down. Oh, by the way, you can't smoke. It's just, it's madness mm. to me. Mm. Uh, yeah, I've got my little hobby horse there, but I, I you know, it's insanity. We're taking yeah, this, yeah. this thing away from hugely distressed people. Doesn't make sense. I feel like we've and, only and make it easier to wank. You're going sorry. <laughs> finally got to it. Make it easier to have a wank in hospital if you can. That's it. That's it. I'm done. I know you're gonna say Andy, you're gonna say it feels like we haven't even scratched the surface of this. Um so look, I think for everyone who um wants to hear more from David Parkin, Disillusions, A Journey Through Sectioning. His podcast is out on Spotify and on on other uh, mediums, I believe. Uh, Not at the moment, but we're working on that. Okay, so it's on on Spotify and um, the episodes are... And also my website. Anchor. I think it's on Anchor as well. and and also they can go down to the Bethel um, Museum of the Mind and and see him in the flesh. Um, uh, anchor, did you, uh, it sounds a bit like wanker? Um, <laughs> I, I I didn't I didn't I didn't mean to ignore the wanking comment. By the way, that wasn't us being prudish. It's that was fine. us well, just trying come to come to we've come to the end, so I'll just leave that hanging. You know, but <laughs> as your check. Okay, very 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 swiftly. You're checked up every 50 minutes, right? And if you're a, if you're a man, you have to get your cock out to have a wank, and it's a very hard thing to do. They don't give you any. They don't give you any visual stimuli. There's, you know, they have like the sun. The best you can hope for is page of the sun. So you end up fantasizing about the 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 NHS student nurses or whatever and that's not good don't make us fantasize about your employees give us some porn and privacy that's it Mm. i suppose also with the medication i know we need to throw this up but with the medication it makes it harder anyway right to well the thing was i was going through a bipolar high which means your libido is through the roof Uh you know Right, right. We need to do a part two of this. I feel like we just we've not even we've not even. Not even I know. It's not even the tip of the iceberg, is it? It's just the tip of the iceberg we've done here. <laughs> yeah, we'll do we'll do a David Parkin 
part two for sure. Um, I, I really, uh, it sounds, it sounds like you're in, in a good place and, and you know what, uh, you know, you know what your, the signs are and you're on some good medication, you're doing some good stuff. So I think, um, it sounds like, you know, things are, are good for you at the moment. Um, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Good. I mean, good, good, good. I mean, as much as they can be, you know, in, 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 in these t- absolutely crazy times we're all living in, but, um, that's another thing. I'm doing all right. That's another thing. I'm doing all right. Fuck the times. I'm doing fine. Everything's good at the moment. Good man. Good man. Yeah. That's what we like to hear. Yeah. All yeah. right. Yeah. You sound like Boris. Um. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Sorry. Yes. So that's it then for this week. Um. Tommy, let's get together again soon. Not- I would love that. And in fact, I'm, I will we'll do it sooner rather than later because I'm going on holiday. I'm on a road trip and I will take my podcasting equipment with me and we will catch up and I'll be somewhere in Europe. Okay. Brilliant. You're doing that. And I'm doing um, my Camino walk as well, which um, we'll talk about another time. So it's all exciting stuff. The weather's getting better. Uh, no Ooh. more horrible winter. And, um, Life is all right. So, um, and I hope it is for every one of you listeners there because things can always change. And I hope you're, you're, if you're having a shit time, I hope your lives improve immeasurably over the next however long. So, yeah. yeah. That, so that was Man Up. Thank you very much, David, for coming along. Um, and we'll speak to you next time. Bye bye. Bye-bye.